Hey everybody, welcome to Pit Stops to Podium, the Red Partners podcast where we talk to execs who have competed in one, taking their companies from high growth to high scale. My name is Brandon Tolson. I am the co-founder and CEO of Rev Partners, and I'm delighted to have with me today Sangram Vajray from Terminus. Welcome, Sangram. Hey, Brandon. Good to be here. A new year, new idea, new excitement. Yeah, this is exciting for me. This is our first podcast of the year from a recording perspective, uh, and it's great to start with you. I, I'm a big fan of what you've built. Uh, for those that don't know who Sangram is, Sangram is the co-founder of Terminus. You are also a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and you are also the, the founder of Peak Community. What, what did I miss? What else are you doing that our, our audience should be aware of? Uh, you know, we are recording this, uh, you know, the first week of January right now. So our Flip My Funnel podcast just hit. 999 episode. So the 1000 episode, we're changing the name from Flip My Funnel to Move. So like to me, that's the other part. It, it just like it's fun having conversations and learning every day. That's great. Uh, well, Singer, for those that don't know who or what Flip My Funnel is or who or a Terminus is or ABM, how about you give our audience uh, an education, uh, an elevator pitch on who Terminus is, what ABM is, and why Flip My Funnel has been kind of that tagline for you, you and the brand. Sure thing. Well, uh, I'll, I'll just give a story. That's that's what I love to do is just share stories because that hopefully will stick a lot more, a lot longer than the podcast. Uh, like when I was running marketing at Pardot uh, back in the days through the acquisition of Target and Salesforce, I remember, Brandon, we we hit every single record there was of number of downloads, ebooks, and whatnot, everything. And I and the team were feeling super excited. We thought we did something really cool. Uh, high fives. And we're now part of the Salesforce ecosystem. So we're just feeling really good. And then my head of sales uh, partner comes in and says, Sangram, you and the team did a phenomenal job. That's awesome. Could you generate 3,000 more leads starting next month? I'm telling you, man, I, I just Sounds sank in my seat. <laughs> yeah, right? Like I just sank in my seat. I'm like, what about the 30,000 leads that you know we created last quarter? And, and it just made me realize that I wasn't anything better than a coin-operated lead machine. Hmm. And it was a really turning point for me to think about like, well, as a marketer, as a leader, as a business leader, uh, you know, people listening to this as revenue leaders, like, you know, we got to really take the time to define our job and who we are. Otherwise, everybody else can define you and it's too late to come out of it. So, so to me, that's really led me to the exploration of what is a better way of as a marketer to do what I do that shows that I drive more than lead because I could just buy a lead machine and then go sleep for the next 30 days. Like there has got to be more. And, and that took me to the route of this whole idea of Flip My Funnel and ABM, which in a nutshell is just nothing better than better marketing and sales. If you start with the best fit accounts that you can, you want to sell to that you think you can serve the most or the best, then you focus on them. And the better you do that, the higher conversion rate, the higher results you get. And that's really the philosophy behind account-based marketing and flip my funnel and how Terminus really got started. Yeah. And I think what it's fairly common practice now and, and everyone is familiar with it, but yeah. this is somewhat of a disruptive revolutionary type of idea that to your point, it was all about volume and how people were measuring the marketing space in the past. And now it's looking at that conversion rates and the quality, high quality type of leads, less is more, et cetera. So uh, thank you for what you've done and, and we're excited to continue to watch what you continue to build. Uh, so Sanger, before we get into our big idea, I, I want to talk about your new book because it's an excellent book. But before we get there, one of the traditions we have here at Pitstop 
Lots of Podium, uh, is to get to know our guests outside of work. So what are three fun facts that we should know about you? Well, you know, I got wife and two kids, which is always fun. Uh, but what's fun about that, and we talked about this before we hit record, was uh, I started Terminus uh, when we just had our second baby, and uh, it wasn't the best time to do it. So there was uh, a lot of partnership at home and a lot of negotiations at home that happened when we did that. So that was really fun in the hindsight, not during that time, uh, may I say. Um, I'm picking up guitar again, uh, you know, something that I used to play when I was, uh, uh, you know, back in India and I just stopped. And uh, so this year, my resolution is not to play guitar. My, my goal is to learn 10 songs this year to play on guitar so that it's actionable. Just taking some work lessons from home, like create proper OKRs, uh, as opposed to play guitar, a really <laughs> unmeasurable kind of thing that I've, I think we all have done at some point. What, uh, uh, what genre of music for those 10 songs? I mean, a lot of it is like, you know, some of it is just pure Christian music, like the songs that me and my kids and family, we just sing. Uh, and we have, especially the Christian, uh, the Christmas time really made me think about like, man, it'd be really cool if I could play Hallelujah or play uh, Mary Did You Know. And, and really right now, I just learn how to play Mary Did You Know. So it's oh, been, that's great. It's well, been fun. I mean do your kids think it's as cool as you think it's going to be? <laughs> I mean, I'm so far. The kids are like seven and 11, so I'm still very cool. <laughs> you're, still that, you're still in the cool zone. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and my son plays piano, um, So and my daughter loves to sing. So we kind of have a really home band that literally can stay only in our home if it goes outside no you know it would be it will be a bad thing uh so so we do that um and outside of that quite uh, the other part is that i have um grammarly i don't know you use or other use grammarly but mm -hmm. i'm one of the top 10 people who uses grammarly the wow. most <laughs> which i know it's like man please do not publish that fact publicly Ugh. but they just sent me an email recently saying <laughs> hey you are the most used and i was like is that a compliment yeah i'm not sure should i be proud of this <laughs> that's awesome well now we know what our social posts will be for this podcast <laughs> yeah uh, well Sanger, thank you for being open about uh three fun facts about you uh it's one of the things i appreciate let's move into the big idea um you were kind enough to send me this book uh, a month or two ago and i read over the weekend wrote a bunch of notes loved it and i think it's a great topic for our community because we're talking to revenue leaders uh and so the title of the book is move the four question go to market framework uh i want to talk through that book for for a little bit but before we do that uh, i'd love to start with what caused you to write this what did you see in the market that said hey i need to write a book on it you know, there's a, uh, people can do this research now, uh, almost search for like SAS Valley of Death, and they will find tremendous amount of, you know, stuff written on it. And the fact that McKenzie put out a study that says that companies literally die in the valleys of death. And as Terminus, as we've gone from zero to 50, we, I've gone through that several times myself at Terminus, like, it, oh, we are over it. And then we're like in the valley, then we're over it, we're in the valley. And, and it really, what McKinsey in their study talked about is the fact that it's not that your product is, is, is the one. In the early days, maybe that is really good, but later on, you're gonna have competitors and, and it's gonna be challenging for you to just compete on a product or a feature set. Um, maybe it is your brand and you have personality and everything. That's great. You can make a lot of noise, but later on, at some point, you you again are gonna have be you be competing and then also be compared across the board when people start putting you in a category. So what really gets companies companies to go from good to great in many ways, at least from what I saw and we saw, was this idea which is very unsexy. 
and and very un, un, un talked about in many ways, which is go to market. It's really go to market. Like, how do I go to market? How do I get in front of the right people at the right time? And if you go back and look at it, there's not a single company in the world that will say, I don't want to improve my go to market. Like, not a single company. Or we got this. This is because there's just so many elements to go to market. And the more I became a student of it, the more I learned how important it is and how much I did not know about it. So this book, honestly, has been a fun, fun experience for me and the people that I got to interview to do this uh, really enlightened me uh, on this path. That's great. Uh, yeah, you, you, we'll get into go to market in a second. Actually, I'll pause. Uh, when you talk about MOVE, MOVE also serves as an acronym. So, so what does MOVE stand for? Yeah, MOVE, uh, in, in it's all my books. All This is the third book. All books are some sort of acronym. If Flip My Funnel is, is, a, is, is a graphic. The last book, ABM is B2B, was team. We're targeting it, activate measures. So I love acronyms. I love frameworks. To, 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 for everybody who's listening to this, you know, if it's not practical and if it's just inspirational, then I feel like you remember it for a day. But if it is practical, then you remember it forever and you use it. Um, so I'm hoping that's what happens through this book. So MOVE stands for Market, Operations, Velocity, and Expansion. Really the four questions every company asks, no matter what stage of the business they are in, is what we discovered uh, was, who should I market to? Today, if you're early stage, you might say, I want to market to, uh, to, to marketers of this stage or SMB. Uh, but uh, you know, as you grow as a company, at some point you will say, oh, now I want to go in different markets. So you, you need to figure out who you market to continually and figure that part out. Operations is where I think you really excel and your organization talks about it, which is RevOps. Uh, the ability in the early days, maybe the finance ops is doing it. Maybe, maybe later on you have marketing ops or sales ops doing what they need to do. But really the next generation of companies are going to really have RevOps. As a matter of fact, we can talk about it uh, a little bit detail later on. I feel RevOps is the second most important role in any company. Most people don't even think about it as much, so, so we can share more about it. Um, the can third you, question can you, is- Can you repeat that for a second? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think this is people, people don't recognize it. And, and at Terminus, we went through that for two years ago and, and can, continues to be the number one reason why we get to do our moves as a company, what our next move is, is RevOps. I mean, it's the second most important job. And I say second because if the CEOs, their job is to drive the go-to-market process. They're the owners of go-to-market. That was another big aha moment. It wasn't a market or a sales. It was the CEO because, again, go-to-market is not about pitching a new product or going into a new market. It could mean M&A. It could mean uh, creating a community. It, mean, it could mean go to your uh, decision between do I invest in hiring a salesperson or do a partner program or going in a different uh, location. So that all is a really big, big question. These are all go-to-market questions. But RevOps, you know, so, so another way to think about it, Brendan, I've been, I've been talking to a bunch of CEOs and, and VCs around this is that the most pivotal question that most companies ask is, hey, or especially VCs, they're notorious to ask this question. If I gave you another $100,000, where would you invest? <laughs> yeah. I hate yeah. that question, like, you know, <laughs> really with passion. But everybody who's listening to at some point has been asked that question or at least wondered about that. What would I do with another hundred or a million dollar, whatever? And the interesting is it's a really fair question, but if unfair to if you are working in a particular silo. For example, if you're working in a sales organization, then you might say, oh, I need another salesperson. If you work in a marketing organization, you might say I need a marketing or something like that. If you're an engineer, you might say, I need more engineers. Like who doesn't need more, more engineers? But the person, the CEO can really ask these questions and have a proper answer is the RevOps person. 
because the RevOps person, literally, if they are the right person and if they are in the right place in the organization, typically reporting to the CEO or a CFO or a COO, then they will actually be looking at everything and say, you know what? I think we got, we need enablement or we need to invest in marketing or they will be able to give a very clear response to that. And they're probably the best people to ask that question, which is why I feel like they're the second most person that is important in the company when it comes to go-to-market decisions. I love it. I uh, didn't make you, didn't want you to do a detour, but uh, I did like your answer to that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think, well, selfishly, uh, I think you, you're right. And I think there is, what I kind of capture that is they can make those data-informed decisions to say, hey, what is the best use of that $100,000 for the organization in light of all the objectives and go-to-market strategies that you have in place? All right, so yeah. that's M. Oh, let's move to V. Yeah, so we is for velocity. This is a question I'm sure, Brennan, you have asked several times yourself uh, as CEO of your company, which is when can we scale our business? Like, you know, what, what do I need? What are the metrics? And those are, that's where you see, uh, am I high, if when we hire a marketing, we are, are we creating enough demand? Do we have sales? Are we creating enough acceleration? Do we have customer success? Are we creating more expansion? Do we have engineers? Are we getting more products faster than market? These are all the, uh, the metrics that you need to figure out if they work, then you know that you can scale your business. You can hire more people. So it's a very important part of uh, growing a business. And the fourth one, this came in really interestingly. Initially, E was for, for experience. When we started with market operations, philosophy, and experience. But then uh, we had an interview with uh, Scott Dorsey, who's the CEO of Exact Target. They sold Exact Target uh, to, to Salesforce for $2.7 billion. And when I was talking to Scott, um, he, he was like, man, well, Scott, when you were building, there were $250 million company. Like what kept you up at night? Like what made you think about growth? How did you think about growth? And he said, you know, it's really expansion is what kept me up. It was really the idea that where can we grow the most? Where do I need to invest the most? Like HubSpot, for example, created agency program to grow the most. For example, Exact Target, they started to create a much more acquisition-oriented strategy to grow the most. So every company has a different way. Like Salesforce, for example, start with Sales Cloud, and they have multiple different clouds as a way to get to multiple different personas in the company to grow. So you have to really figure out expansion at some point. So it was evolved from experience to expansion. So that's, those are the four ones, market, operations, velocity, and expansion. And, and, and to cap it out, what's interesting, Brendan, I found out was when you look at any company of any size, the questions remain the same, but the answers to these questions will continue to change. Like early stage, for example, just using operations, early stage might be finance guy, a little bit, uh, you know, product market fit, you might have a marketing op, sales ops, but a platform market fit or a company that is moving in that direction will have rev ops. So, so the answers in the book, we, we really go in length and detail that it could be different, but the questions surprisingly are the same. Yeah, I love that. And we'll get into that in a second in terms of, because I think it fits into your, you have a great framework to talking about the three Ps uh, in terms of uh, problem, product, and then performance. And I think the, the framework you're talking about in terms of the questions are the same, but what it looks like in those different seasons or phases, those inflection points certainly looks different. Before we get there though, I, I do wanna kind of take a step back. So you say you start with go to market. Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily know why, but what are the, the six truths that you unpack in the book that our audience should be aware of that will then inform the tactics with, if you will, within that question framework. You know, we, we, there's a, the, the six truths are really, really interesting one. Uh, but, but since we have, I've done like probably hundred talks since the book has come out 
And I'm realizing that a better one that people would remember other because the six truths really have a lot of like retentions in your acquisition, the flywheel, the, those are really good for people to jump in and act and think through those. And it takes some time to digest it. But the one that the better way for people to remember what we're really talking about are the five valleys of death kind of connecting back to it. And we mentioned that in the book a little bit, but here, here, here are the five valleys of death that every company is going through at least one or two of these. One is either you can, you have created a product, so you create, but can't market. You've got a marketing problem. You don't know what the market is, how you don't, you can't get enough ad bats. Then either you can market, but can't sell. That means your sale or seller's motion. So your positioning is off. You're, you're, you're able to get more people, but you just can't close those damn deals. Like, you know, you, you have that problem. Then let, maybe, maybe you're fine there. Then you have sell, but you can deliver. This is where sales and product have an issue. The sales is over-promising and product is under-delivering. And then that leads to the next one, which is deliver, but can't renew. At the end of the year, these people are saying, hey, you, do you like the product? Yeah, I like it, but I'm not sure if I love it. I don't know how to show ROI for it, so I don't, I don't think I can renew. And that leads to the fifth one, which is renew but can't expand. This is really where the NRR and GRR, what makes companies great are those numbers. So if your net retention rate is below 100%, at some point, you're going to really get hit to the wall uh, because you can't. You really can't grow the business as fast as you can. So create but can't market, market but can't sell, sell but can't deliver, deliver but can't renew, or renew but can't expand. These are literally those, those valleys where you can just, it's, it's like a sinkhole. You, you, if you don't get out of it quick enough, you will be just continue to drag below into it. I love that. And that's, I remember when I was reading your book and I actually, that was my post about your book was thinking through yes. um, what the, these five valleys, it, it really resonated with me. And I think that's also where, like when I think about RevOps, like what are the levers that we can pull to help drive this engine? I mean, those all speak to different areas of, of a funnel or flywheel, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's great. Uh, one of the things I love, you already mentioned with Move, and it's something that Annie talked about is what's portable is memorable. And I yeah. think when you talk about your acronyms with Move or with Five Valleys, it, it really just helps me to, to, to remember those. And you, well, you said something that was really interesting to me. You said most companies are dealing with two. What in your research or, or these interviews have caused you to come up with that two number? Yeah, so, 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 and it also depends on the stage of the business. So typically in the early stage, you're probably in the first two. You have created something and you're, you can't market it. You're like, you're, you're finding yourself, do I need to create a category? Do I exist in a category? We all sound like the same. You look at your competitor's website and make it same as that. And now clearly, you know, you both are the same, but they have better brand. So you really are in the create but can market or market but can sell stage in the early stage of your business growth, typically sub 10 million or maybe even sub 50, 20 million or so. But then later on, you start getting into this different stage. And, and, and this is really the product market fit stages where you now you have figured out like, oh, you can sell it you can sell it, but your retention is not there, which means that the marketing is there, the market is there, uh, the people want it, and you are putting something out of the market, people are using it, but you just can't get customers to, to, to renew it, and you just can't get customers to retain it, and therefore, a lot of the early stage companies will have high, who are really good at marketing and sales, will have a high retention rate because, they, you know, a low retention rate because they just can't retain great customers. So those, those are typically the two that come in. And then as you get into a platform market fit, which is the third, the problem product platform, that's really, uh, I remember this conversation with Jeffrey Moore. Um, like, quite frankly, if somebody has 10 bucks, 
And if you want to buy a book, don't buy my book. Like go buy Jeffrey Moore's book, Crossing the Chasm. It's one of the best books you should read in marketing or leadership way. And he talked about this. Is He said, I just came spending five days with Mark Benioff and his entire leadership team talking about the next stage, next evolution, all that stuff. And I was having this conversation with him like Monday, 9 a.m. in the morning. And he's just fresh off from that place. And I'm going through all this. And he said, Sangram, you got this whole framework wrong. And I'm like, we're about to publish this book. Like, what are you doing? All I need is an endorsement and I need to move on. I don't need to hear that this is wrong. Like, I'm like, uh, but uh, so, I mean, I was expecting to say like, you know, this whole thing is wrong. Like, no, no, you got this wrong. He said, if you are moving, and I I don't want people to miss this because this was so important. And you might remember this in the book, uh, Brendan, that in the end, when you have the entire book in a page slide, you'll see that in there. We says that your go-to-market team should evolve from just sales, which is founder-led typically, or you know, that just going out and selling to marketing and sales working together in a product market fit. But here's the thing he said: if you ever truly want to become platform market fit, you have to have customer success come before sales and marketing. So we flipped it. So if you remember in the book, when you have the entire, we have sales, sales plus marketing. And then we said customer success plus sales plus marketing. He said, unless you get that thing right, you, it's really hard for you to become a platform market fit because majority of your business should be driven from your base. That's how Salesforce does it. They already know that they're going to get 80% of the way there from their existing base. And the 20% is what they do from all the net new stuff that they have. That was mind blowing to me. So I'm glad he didn't like completely, you know, say hey, this is all wrong. But the way he said it made me like sweat like crazily for a minute. Uh, yeah, and it goes back to one of the the six truths when you talk about retention is a new acquisition. I know that's something that Terminus was very focused on, uh, and it's great. I mean, to your point, that's where the leverage is. And not to for my audience that um, is listening to audio, I'm going to share my screen on video because I loved your book so much. I actually did a very immature grid of what you just talked about uh, of the one page framework uh, around move. So this is a Google sheet, not pretty. Uh, <laughs> but the point here, as I'm trying to capture that kind of frameworks, I love frameworks. Um, so Singer, we talk about, you were just talking about product, problem market fit, product market fit, performance market fit, and like how move from the questions that you should be asking yourself within these uh, or the things to be mindful of. When you talked about two out of the five that the that companies are dealing with. Maybe that's where we should, for this time, focus on. Do you see that as in the ideation, transition, execution, that there are common themes of what those two look like in each one of these phases? Yeah, I mean, the the the, the part is that these things to evolve. So for example, I'll just use Terminus as an example, right? We started with a, a, a our product initially was an advertising product. That's what we did. We said we could do targeted advertising for your list of accounts that you think you can serve the best, why do Google ads where you're just finding some, you're randomly finding people who are probably searching for you. Uh, instead of that, why don't just you directly put your ads in front of them? That's really was the genesis of Terminus. But that was, that's the, if you looked at the product, it was an advertising product. Hmm. Since then we have acquired four other companies and now do be account-based analytics, account-based uh, uh, you know, CDP. We, we do so much more now than that. So, but what happens with each one of these evolutions of your business is that you have to figure out who you market to again. So the question, that's why the question remains the same. So all of a sudden, what we were really good at marketing, which was like, hey, we were, we were able to create this great product and we were, we were marketing well, we we're selling well. As soon as our, our product became platform, as soon as it became a product suite, it, it became complicated. 
All of a sudden, we were not selling to a digital marketing manager. Now we are selling to a CMO. And as to a CMO, we need to have a new positioning statement. We have a new way of talking about these things. So we had to go back in the same problem that no longer existed is a problem now that we can now, we have a platform, but we can't market. So I don't want anybody to think that you can get through one and then you will never meet the same problem. As a matter of fact, because the questions are the same, you will meet the same problem over and over again because you, and you should in order for you to, have to grow your business because you should be targeting multiple personas and you should go in different markets and the same questions should be the ones that you should start with. I love that. Let's, let's start uh, a wrap up here talking about kind of the third leg here. We've talked a little bit about um, the six truths um, or, or the, the, the valley as you just valleys. Yeah, the valleys. Uh, then we talked a little bit about kind of those three phases. Um, I love to end in terms of how you drive those behaviors, meaning who are the stakeholders? Uh, what, so what are those priorities? You talk in the book about there's four, there's the CEO, there's the investors, the CRO, and I think the CMO, right? So what, yeah. what are their priorities and, and what are keeping them up at night as it relates to the go-to-market and making sure those questions are getting answered? Oh, this is, this is good stuff. Um, in the book, when we interviewed every, uh, like at every level, we interviewed Kelly Ford, who had 200 plus exits as a VC, uh, to CEOs like Brian Halligan, the HubSpot CEO, um, and Nick Meta, Gainsight CEO, we, or Mark Roberge, who is now a Harvard Business School uh, professor, to Jeffrey Moore, um, Sydney Sloan, and Megan Eisenberg, the CMO. So we, we interviewed CMOs, CROs, VC, everybody, uh, before we even came up with all of this. Like we literally spent two months of just interviews before we did that. And what's interesting in all of this is that <laughs> the, the CEOs knew exactly that they owned go-to-market. Every CEO, when I talked to Brian Halligan, there's a public company CEO, right? Yeah, I own it. Nick Meta, I own it. Manny Medina from, uh, from uh, Outreach, I own it. And as soon as I talked to CMOs and CROs, they're like, I'm not sure. I think I own it. Maybe the CRO said, maybe they, so it was really interesting that the ownership of it needs to rest with the CEO. And that has to be very clear because a lot of times people would think go to market. So maybe marketing owns it or go to market. That means it's all about product launch. It's way bigger than that. And that's really what would we cover in the book. And so, so that's the, that's the CEO is the owner, the CMO. If you're a marketer listening to it, you are the galvanizer. You are the one who has all these data points and all of that stuff. And we provide a ton of questions that you could ask to get company that get your team to align on where you are, what stage of the business you are in and where you need to go. So you are the galvanizer of the idea, the message, the narrative and, and the company. If you're a CRO, this is, this is really interesting because CROs a lot of times would become the default execution layer for, for the business when it comes to driving revenue, right? So when the CRO, a lot of times people would think it's a CRO, but CRO is typically an orchestrator. They are the one who are saying, I need more marketing here. I need more sales here. I need more brand here. I need more product support here. So you're the orchestrator of that. And the VCs who are notorious again for trying to tell where to go, they need to be the guide. They, their job is to create centers of excellence for go-to-market, tell them that, hey, look, here are four ways to go about it. Pick your lane uh, because go-to-market is different. If you're a category builder, your go-to-market might be to build a community first. 
and then go and drive that. That's what HubSpot, Terminus, Salesforce, all of us did, right? If you are if you're a product-led company, then maybe it is you have to create a product-led growth motion. That's very different. That's what Calendly did, as an example, right? If if you are a channel-led, there are lots of companies who did incredibly well channel-led. So Bombara is a great example. They crossed past us and many other companies after coming later than us because they said we will sell on other people's. Uh, paper. So, so they have started to sell and they have grown past 50 million just purely because we, you know, they're able to create a channel for all the market companies out there. So you have to first figure out what go-to-market motion I need in order to figure out what go-to-market motion you need to have. You have to figure out what business you're in and, and, and start there. So there's a lot to unpack in that, just yeah. that part of it. Yeah, I like that. So just to summarize, investor is the guide. The CEO is the owner, the marketing is a galvanizer, and the CRO is the orchestrator. Absolutely right. Great. Well, to your point, there is a lot more to unpack. And candidly, we're not going to get to that. We're not going to cover your whole book in a podcast, but I think it's good just to give you know, our audience a blueprint, if you will, at least the framework. And I think what the beautiful aspects of this framework is there's freedom in the framework, meaning your business is unique, your go-to-market strategy is unique, but there are certain principles that regardless of how you go to market and what phase of season of life you're in, this will help you navigate those inflection points, if you will, and make sure that you are intentional to ultimately move it forward as opposed to hitting those valleys and not being able to get out. So Sangram, thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. Uh, if our audience wants to engage with you, with Terminus, and read this book, what are the next steps they can take? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I love where you guys are going. So if anybody, if there's any of the stuff attracts you, if there was something you learned, just DM me on LinkedIn and I'll send you a signed copy of the book. How's that? I love that. All right. If you heard that, that means reach out to Sangram from this podcast and you will get a personalized gift from Sangram. Uh, Sangram, as always, thank you for your contribution, both to the market and for your investment uh, in us and in me. I, I really do appreciate it. It's not deserved, but it is uh, something that I really do. Anytime. I love what you guys are doing. All right. Talk to you later.